Hi, this is John Barber, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that's happy to welcome three-time Emmy-nominated writer-producer Phil Savinick. In the course of his 35-year career in television, Phil Savinick created many of the most highly regarded compilation documentaries concerning the history of television, including the 50th anniversary special for CBS, the 40th anniversary special for ABC, the 20th anniversary specials for HBO and The Mary Tyler Moore Show, as well as tribute programs to such landmark TV series as MASH and Monty Python. Phil Savinick also has a long history with Disney and MTV, plus he produced such acclaimed documentary series as That's Hollywood and The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau. After retiring from TV production, Phil decided to devote the third act of his life to expressing the impact that the medium of television continues to have on all of us. That expression takes on several forms, including paintings, preservation of authentic TV artifacts from the golden age of television, such as the fickle finger of fate, and curating a museum devoted to television that not only celebrates the legacy of Philo Farnsworth, the man who invented television, but includes one of the most impressive collections of vintage TV sets you will ever see. All of those sets, as well as Phil's entire museum devoted to television resides in the living room of Phil's home here in Los Angeles. However, you can view Phil's museum for yourself on the internet, and we'll tell you how to do that in just a second. But first, we began our conversation by asking Phil, what inspired you to turn your living room into a shrine for television? Well, you know, I'd always loved television. Mm -hmm. And then one year, we were doing a show on the history of television, and we rented some of the old sets, and we ran video through them so the old stars could say, oh, I remember when. Well, I fell in love with the boxes. These were the greatest things I'd ever seen. Not only did I remember them as a kid, that they were part of, of the foundation of who I was, looking at this one-eyed monster, but also they were so innovative and interesting and fun that I just loved the boxes. So at that point, I decided, that well, how... I want to collect some. The first one was the Philco Predictor with the swivel head. Mm -hmm. So anywhere in the room you could see the, the screen. And in those days it was very hard to find them until they invented the internet. And then it became really easy. I would just type in the name of a set and somebody would have it. Is there a set that you have to have in your collection that you haven't found yet? I felt I needed to have one of the RCA sets from the World's Fair in 1939 when they introduced it for the first time. There, at the time, there were only 600. I believe there are only a, less than 200 that still exist. Somebody in Georgia had one in a, their barn and didn't even know how it got there. I found it on eBay. So that was one of the pieces was I have one of the original t RCA televisions from the 39 World's Fair. Harder to get, I wanted a Farnsworth television. Uh, they weren't in business very long, mm -hmm. but he had one. So when I bought his collection, I got a Farnsworth. I loved the Space Age sets of the 70s. I just thought they were so cool looking. Swivel heads and they're shaped like uh, astronauts' helmets. And uh, one set used a, a little red planet as the remote control eye and, a, and an Earth was the speaker. So anyway, I really loved those, you know, Space Age sets. Yeah. And then, you know... Sony's first set was actually television for the, for the space age. That's what they called it. So that kind of design fascinated me. And then, of course, historically, first plastic ever invented was used for television. 
called Bakelite. What was your first set that your family had that you remember? I don't remember what the first set was. I can't remember mine either. I just I, I know it was a console. Was I know I would sit on the floor and yeah. watch it. I know it would have been black and white. Yeah. I know it would have been round with the curved sides. I want to say it was a Philco because my name is Phil, but yeah. I can't say that for sure. That's good enough. I can't remember the the company that made ours. What I what I remember is that when you turned it off, you'd have this dot that would, this little green dot that, it was, the, the, the screen was green. And then when you turn it off, the dot would like stay there for like two and a half minutes before it finally disappeared. And when, and when you turn it on, it was the same thing. It was the dot, and then it would take forever for the dot to become a picture. That dot became one of the most significant factors of the television system and kept the Farnsworth Company alive. And I'll tell you how. There is no television in the United States. RCA is fighting on every patent. And they've decided that we needed a national association of broadcasters to decide on a standard before they can even manufacture, sell anything. Mm -hmm. He needs money. Goes to Europe. Meets with the British. Meets with the Germans. Germans broadcast the Olympics in 36 using his system. Mm -hmm. But there's no TV in America. So he gets to England. And the British decide they want to license his system because of that dot you were talking about. They see it as the beginnings of radar. They know the Germans wow. are going to invade. And they know that the cathode ray tube has this latent you know, signal. So they'll know where the plane was, and the next time around, they'll know where it's going. And so actually, that was a very significant wow. part of radar. <laughs> they licensed it not for TV. They wanted the tubes for radar. Wow the dot well it just goes to show that little things that you and i will take for granted someone with creative scientific imagination will see the potential and the possibilities which brings us back to farnsworth well one of the most interesting things is there are a lot of similarities between artists and scientists very much so in that there is an inspiration there is a time of putting things together yeah. and creation and Farnsworth would say, I, I didn't come up with this stuff. I'm just, you know, the, the vehicle by which, you know, the energy comes from the great beyond. And, yeah. you know, they gave it to me. But uh, it's just an amazing story when you find someone who's been that significant and that important that nobody's ever heard of. You know, it, it, it's wonderful to lead them on this voyage of discovery. We're at the home of Emmy-nominated producer Phil Savinick. Phil worked in television for more than 35 years, during which time he created some of the most highly regarded documentaries about television and its history. Phil has turned his living room into a museum dedicated to television, which he calls the history of TV. That includes vintage TV sets and many artifacts from the golden age of television. The mission statement of the History of TV Museum is to recognize Philo Farnsworth as the inventor of television and to cement his legacy. Later on in the segment, Phil will give us a guided tour of his living room museum. All of the items on display at the History of TV are available for viewing right now at thehistoryoftv.com. What's, what's kind of interesting about talking to you, Phil, is not only have you devoted this stage of your life to uh, celebrating and cementing the legacy of Farnsworth, the man who created television, but in the course of your work, your career, making television, you've had a chance to work with, one way or another, some of the innovative people who helped shape 
television, or at least forms of television, styles of television that we all, in, in, in one way or another, left their mark on television and changed it to the form that we recognize to, or, or take for granted today? Well, I was very fortunate. I got to meet and work with a lot of wonderful and creative people. A lot of them are legends. Uh, and to me, it wasn't because they were famous. It's because they were great. Yeah. You know, when you get to work with, with you know, uh, Robin Williams, you know, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Hope, Jacques Cousteau, some of these people, it went beyond they were recognizable celebrities. They actually created greatness. Yeah, and they're they're just doing their thing. Their their thing just happens to be covered on on television. But Jacques Cousteau, for example, for kids like me growing up, and for a lot of our listeners growing up, uh, the uh, the ABC specials of Jacques Cousteau were a staple of our lives. I have a Jacques Cousteau story for you. I worked for a producer named David Wolper. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of documentaries. Mm -hmm. You know, did the history of about just about everything. And those ABC shows were produced by David Wolper. And the first day they send back the footage of the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. Cousteau yeah. And Wolper says, which one is Cousteau? <laughs> He's never been on television before. Yeah. So somebody in the room says, oh, the guy with the big nose. And David Wolper says, that's not good enough. Give him a red hat. Yeah. That's how the red hat came about. Image. Well, which one is Cousteau? That's right. He said, well, they're diving underwater. Those suits are black. Put a yellow stripe up the side. Television. Yeah. Television shaped how we perceive Cousteau. Mm -hmm. Rest of his life, he wore the red hat. That's who he became. Yeah. You're now, a, um, funny when I got to work with yeah. him, he used to smoke cigars so short, they were shorter than his <laughs> nose. And when he went to light them, you were sure he was going to just do a Lucy. Yeah. And apparently he, be, because uh, the sea was an oeuvre, um, if, I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. The surprising thing I learned about him, because if you go on Phil's website, you learn about some of Phil's brushes with greatness. You, you would assume that Clouseau was a connoisseur of seafood because he saw sea life and the ocean in, in all its form, but that wasn't necessarily the case. No, he took me out to his favorite restaurant in Paris when we were working together, and it was a steakhouse. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I don't mean to be ungrateful, but I was expecting some great seafood delicacy. Yeah. And he went, oh, no, I'd never eat a fish. I know where it's been. <laughs> Oh, I know what I want to ask you. Who are, and these aren't necessarily people that you've, you've met, just, just, these are just people being a scholar, a, a historian of television. Who do you think are, are some of the people that, if, if you had to make like a top 10 or a top five list of people, the most important people who helped shape television as we know it, who, who, who would be on that list? Wow. I've stumped the guest. That's not uh, good. Well, no, you haven't stumped the guest, but there are certain, obviously, technical people or business people. Yeah. Certainly, you got to talk about Sarnoff. You mm -hmm. got to talk about Paley. You have to talk about these kind of giants. Mm -hmm. Then there are inventors: uh, Farnsworth, Dumont. Uh, yes, Zwarkin, mm -hmm. brilliant man. Just didn't do all the things he claimed. So there's a layer of the invent. Uh, there's a guy, uh, John Logie Baird from. Uh, Scotland mm -hmm. invented the span, spinning disc. They all made gigantic advancements. Uh, so there are the technical inventors, then there are the business people. RCA, CBS, later on Leonard Goldenson and uh, ABC. ABC. All right. Do we want to give any credit to the Fox people? Obviously, it changed the broadcasting landscape forever. Maybe not for good, but 
gigantic changes. Uh, then there are performers. Then there are creators. So there are various levels of greatness that went into the things that we remember. Yeah, we should probably add Ted Turner to the list of executives exactly. with CNN. Ted Turner. Ted Turner invented music television and news television and making sports a national event. And if you and if you figure if you remember that Me TV and TV Land and Nickelodeon and all the di all the cable now digital channels, those are all part of the CNN banner. It's easy to forget that. And also he bought the MGM library and the and the United Artists library, so he created Turner Classic yeah. Movies. And now there's since cinema is going away, there's an outlet for all this this heritage and this, this these these you know sort of cultural legacies that are left behind yeah. that he gives us a place to watch and enjoy. So I'd absolutely say Ted Turner. One small way that Turner left his mark when he first started doing the Superstations is re remember that everything, all his programs never started at the top of the hour. They always started at five minutes past the hour mm. or 35 minutes past the when hour. When everybody else was doing a commercial. Yeah. Um, his shows would start at 7.05. Mm -hmm. And I understand that was his idea because that way it was TED time. I thought it was because everybody would put on five minutes of program and then go to commercial. Well, you think, start clicking at the commercial, yeah. he would be in program. And he would, yeah, I, th I think that was part of that. But I, I, was, I was told that, that that became known as TED time. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Moses Neimer, the guy who uh, has the MZTV Museum in Canada, innovator Canadian mm -hmm. media. His Much TV, uh, you know, and City TV and all that in Toronto, much music predated yeah. MTV, you know. So there are a lot of people who've added really innovative stuff. I remember meeting Bob Pittman one year, the guy who had helped found MTV, and I said, I always wanted to meet the man who reduced the attention span of the American <laughs> teenager down to about 14 frames. Uh, so some of the advances good, some of them bad. I kind of got estranged from television about 2000. And there's an interesting story that Bambi will relate to because she took me to the party. Bambi is Bambi Moe. Bambi Moe, longtime music producer and production executive for Walt Disney Pictures and Television and Walt Disney Records. Bambi arranged our visit today at the home of Phil Savinick. Phil Savinick, curator of the History of TV, which you can find online at the History of TV. Com. Uh, Television Academy had an event in about 2005, something like that. And at one of the breaks, I went to the men's room. And who was standing next to me at the urinal? Al Gore. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I have to say something. And I said, this is going to be a strange thing to say to you at a Television Academy event. But President Gore... Uh, when you didn't take office, I unplugged the television and stopped watching. Yeah. It was all lies. It was all propaganda. It was all the worst of marketing and capitalist. And I said, I'm not plugging it in till either President Gore takes office or that imposter in his place is deposed. And he laughed so hard that we walked out. He had his, hand, his arm around me. And Bambi said, well, what did you do to Al Gore in the bathroom? And I went, what are you talking well, he walked out, he had his arm around, and he was laughing his ass off. <laughs> so I actually gave up on television when it became a propaganda tool. Anyway, that was a television honors event. And television honors recognizes television that's socially, culturally, 
and uh, oh. impactful. So, ironically, it was actually a television that. honors event okay. that uh, recognizes you know the best of television, right. and he was there being honored. And sure enough, that was the reason I stopped watching television was. It all became lies. Now, that's not to say that it wasn't lies when we were growing up. We didn't know the difference between advertising, news, the programs themselves. If Buffalo Bob and Howdy Doody tried to sell us Wonder Bread or Hostess Twinkies, we didn't understand there's a difference between content. Right. It was all just... In, in that respect, it was... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Insidious. Well, yeah. But you're right. There was, they, they, would, they would not cut to break. They would just move to, one, to the other side of the studio and say, well, you know, kids, make sure you tell your mom and dad to buy some Ovaltine or some Wittina uh, because it's really, really good. It's packed with vitamins and uh, it's a very clever way of selling the product within the con with, with within the confines of the bleached white bread makes your body builds your body twelve ways. Yes, no, it doesn't. Yeah, that kind of stuff. We're at the home of Phil Savinick, Phil Savinick, television producer for more than thirty five years and the curator of the History of TV. The History of TV, a virtual museum that originates from Phil's home that is dedicated to preserving the legacy of Philo Farnsworth, the inventor of television. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll talk some more with Phil when we come back on TV Confidential. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Hi, this is Rhonda Shear, and you're staying up all night or day with TV Confidential. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991-866-490-3991-866-490-3991. Hi, this is Joyce Bullifant. You're listening to TV Confidential. Uber is the mobile app that connects you with the driver for immediate transportation. Request a ride at the tap of a button and you have a driver curbside in minutes. You can choose to be driven 
in a black car, SUV, or you can choose UberX, the low-cost Uber for a ride in a hybrid or mid-range car. Payment is seamless and cashless, billed to your card on file with no need to tip. Enter the promo code TV Confidential after you download the app to receive a free first ride up to $20. For more information, go to get.uber.com forward slash go forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.